0: Hello there, good people of the interwebs. Welcome to episode 48, Getting Played Like a Fiddle. The river of sand flows past the grand pyramid called the Mother of Destiny. Princess Karima watches the brave companions as they prepare to once more enter the growling sanctuary. Oraki's overly large, mutated eyes stare at their benefactor, as she ponders who might be the princess's father. Although his robes have been shredded by his mutated blade of a left arm, Calidus is still able to cast the spell of sand breathing. Protecting themselves from the dangerous river, the Grey Company slowly submerses to the sanctuary's entrance. To lure out the creature that hides and protects the last chamber, they cluck like chickens Elbrum helps to steal Calidus, who died by the hand of this creature. Infidels,
1: how dare you invade my sanctuary? This is not your place to-
0: And finally, good people of the interwebs, today I come with sad tidings as our campaign Embers from a Chimney is coming to an end. Do you want to know more? Then sit back, stay tuned and enjoy. Hello there, and welcome to a Dungeons & Dragons role-playing podcast. My name is Stacy, and I'm the GM. Come with me and my good friend Mick. Join us in our weekly discussion about our campaign. Listen to our successes and failures while trying to flex our role-playing muscle. The funny bits, the dumb bits and the all-round good time that comes with this great activity. The cast is Elbrum, the Asmar warlock with his sidekick, Silhouette Starfire, and a pretty wrist leaf. Calidus, the elf-marked wizard who replaces his arms with blades. Will he cast another spell? And finally, Oraki, the ineffable female Gnoll cleric with a tribe that stands on a precipice. The campaign setting is the Southlands from Cobalt Press. We are using the D&D 5e rule set, and we game using the Fantasy Grounds virtual tabletop. So that's the cast. That's the campaign. Now good people, welcome to the show. Hello, people of the interwebs. Once again, I'm sitting with my friend Mick, and we are talking about what happened in the last session and what's going to happen because unfortunately, in real life, IRL, has reared up its ugly head and Embers from the Chimney is going to come to a sudden and abrupt close. Yeah,
1: because one of us that wasn't me and is currently doing this podcast decided to go and get a real job. Yeah. Yeah, traitor. Yep. Yeah. Mortgage does that. That's what it is. The
0: rat race I got dragged in. Dragged. Kicking and screaming. Dragged across to the dark side and that's the end of it. Yep. The cool thing is too, like, the guy who played Akmenis and the guy who played Kaelin, who, again, they also had to basically leave because, not because their They of, real life caught up with him as well. It was real life issues that caught up with them that they had to leave. And, and it wasn't because of any other reason. Like, I mean, the guy who played Sabre, real life. Mm. The guy who played Odvik, unfortunately, it was just, he couldn't make the commitments. So, yeah, real life. <laughs> it was only really the guy who played Ventus and God, made a choice Morden. To yeah, yep. that made the choice. And the funny thing is, is those two guys, they got together and they, they enjoyed what they're doing. So at the beginning they went and bought a module for me on Fantasy Grounds, which I thought was really, really cool. But at the end of the day, I, you know, you wonder, are you doing it because you enjoy it or was there an alternative reason? Because they quit shortly after. The point is, is I I really enjoyed those guys and they made they made it more interesting and finding the time and committing to the time. That is a challenge because like I, I did mention to the guy who plays Elbrum and Oraki, if we moved to Saturday mornings, which Mm. is Friday for them, Friday evenings, and I was, I didn't think it would work and yeah, I was right. Friday evenings. I mean, I think it's one of those things like golf. It's three hours
1: out of your day, four hours out of your day. And I was talking to someone the other day about where do you find another sport mm. that that takes that long to play? And other there than golf? <laughs> other than golf, there's not a lot out there. Yeah,
0: are. and the funny <laughs> thing is, is with, with this particular thing, when those three hours can go by like that. Yeah, yeah. From my side and that, and from from your side. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's, I, fi- I still find it highly, highly entertaining. Whether I'm as a player, I prefer to be the dungeon master, but I like both sides. I find it a lot of fun to, to role play and, and make believe and use your imagination. Well, anyway. But in our, in our last episode... <laughs> well, I was going to say, uh, there's this expression I was trying to remember about things coming to an end, but eh, getting old, my brain doesn't work very well your brains come to an end pretty much but i wanted to i proposed in our session because at the at the beginning i let them know okay it's sure i just got the contract well i I received the contract yesterday or sorry friday in the afternoon so i mentioned to them that it was pretty certain because they they had called me up and said they're going to send me an offer that next week would be the last one and I proposed that, okay, well, with our last session, we could... Because this was this episode that just finished, I think that it was very appropriate in that this was something that was at the very beginning and is one that's yeah. finally wrapped up. It was one of the priority ones. At least guaranteed your guys' place within the apartment that Karima did. Even if I think Elbram secretly was hoping that he could get a relationship with her to do it. And, oh, and we've got one more episode to go. here. he might just make it. Well, I'll tell you this. I don't mind telling this because I I, I want to spoil everything now. And the Oraki's like, "No,
1: no, don't, don't spoil anything cuz in case we come back." And the funny thing is is I well, I'm trying to figure out where you draw the line on on uh, on what you can say and what you can't say. Uh, and well, and also what happens I, next I just, Thursday cuz next Thursday, you know, we've allocated, you know, 4 hours or possibly 12 to figuring out what's going to happen and so do you make the first two hours of just wrapping this bit up nicely with a bow where you actually play and then the next eight hours is like question and answer time about what
0: about what about what about all the mm. things that had happened that we mm. had and and how much do you give away yeah well that's just it i've been debating that i was thinking of some kind of a, a really grand finale that gave you a, a huge eye opener into some of the things that are going on but this would be from a very outside observer point of view because if you tried to directly get involved you guys just don't have the power to do anything
1: and the and the other side of the coin is that if you do tell us everything that goes on like you know the grand finale of the whole thing what is the probability that we will ever get to play it again anyway so easy to give away i'm not convinced that that we'll be able to continue on at some point in the future well i'm not convinced that actually giving away the answer to the to a game doesn't mean you can't play it again to me the whole thing is that You come back and you play the game in two years' time. And part of it is about going, well, you know, I can't use any of my prior knowledge. I would rather just start
0: with something new, to be honest. Well, if that's the case, we'll have a lot, thanks. (laughs) Yeah, well, I was sitting there thinking, you know, I like the Eberron setting. I like Midgard. It's really quite fun, but I've always kind of had a hankering. I don't know, maybe because my first start out as a player, real start out as a player in Dungeons & Dragons was in an Eberron setting. That was not that long ago. I got to play in Eberron for probably a couple months, then in real life just changed up everything as it usually does and just killed the campaign. I don't know, it's it's hard to say. I've put a lot of work into creating the Fantasy Ground content for Southlands. A lot of the, like with Fantasy Grounds and Roll20, they often will have someone who works with people like Cobalt Press, or other, I guess, module writers and authors about c- taking their stuff and, and converting it into usable content for the virtual tabletop so that you're just dragging and dropping stuff. So for example, with Southlands, it wasn't Fantasy Grounds ready. There was a couple of modules from Cobalt Press that were certainly available. Like for example, Cat and Mouse, which is the one about the introduction of the Grimalkin and I, that was converted for Fantasy Grounds. But for example, the NPC Karima and her background and stuff like that. I've tweaked that right from the beginning. I believe she's in one of the modules now, but I started tweaking that right away as, okay, this is, and I don't mind revealing. In my mind, the hint that I gave you guys the other day where Oraki was talking to her, where she said that she, she kind of jokingly laughed about how people were saying that she was the daughter of Kwansei. She is the daughter of Kwansei. Oh, there you go like we didn't she, know that one she, well she doesn't know it she has no idea that that's the case and her relationship to what's going on in Dabu is, it'll be, I had some plans but ultimately my thinking was with regards to Elbrum. she's playing him like a, like a fiddle, like a fiddle, that's exactly it he's a tool because for me, looking at that character and her motivations he can't be anything but a fiddle until she learned it's like there's this book i used to read that was called it was written by larry niven it was called the ring world and in the ring world one of the premises that came evident he wrote three or f- four or five books in the ring world series and at the very end he introduced a character in the first book and the character came in because that character was lucky when you read the first book you don't really realize what the relevance of this lucky person is not until he gets to like the end of the book of the series and the point was was that human species were with other alien species and these other alien species were messing with human genetics to try to breed a lucky human. And so the point was, was this one person was, after generations and generations and generations of lotteries, like thousands of years of messing with human procreation, she was a lucky person. She'd never experienced pain because her luck would never allow her to experience pain. So she would only experience things so far as luck, which was basically a universal, I'm not going to say a force, but if it was needed, she would learn it through her luck. So she never experienced pain from getting hurt because whenever there was a possibility of her getting hurt, something lucky would happen to prevent it, and that included emotional It's the same thing with Karima, is that she doesn't know how to have a proper relationship because she's been so different from the rest of the gnolls who've been basically groveling at her feet. You know, how would she know? So even with another species, when she sees another species reacting anyway at all, that's how she deals with it. Elbrum's is a means to an end for her. At the moment, yes. It would have to be, I've debated that, he will be crushed. Well, here's the thing. My thinking is, is yes, as you gain levels, you start gaining renown, right? Because the point is, is, who is a level 5 character? The reality is, in Dungeons & Dragons, you've got common, uncommon, rare, very rare, legendary. So basically, level 20 basically means you are legendary. You've achieved something that next to nobody else has achieved. That's the point of being a level 20 character, is that there's really not supposed to be many of these guys running around in the world. Whereas level fives they're more common, but the point is still compared to common, they are, they're not common. So as you guys gain renown and get more powerful, eventually at some point, then I would say, okay, then the possibility of something other than being a tool can exist. But for the moment, just being level six, not quite there, not there, not there. That digression a little bit. Point is still, there could be a lot of things to reveal and do I do it or don't I do it? Do I sit back? Because even the guy who played Caitlin and Ekmanis both said, you know, maybe at some point we can pick it up again. I don't know. Like I said, I put a lot of work into it. I enjoy Midgard. I enjoy Southlands. I wouldn't mind continuing on, but at the same time, I wouldn't mind doing some Eberron stuff as well. And I remember at the very beginning, I wanted to blend... Some of the Eberron-ish way of things into Southlands, but it it's a lot of work. So Ebron is is wide low magic. I wanted Southlands to be wide low magic, where you've got like prestigitation. There's a device of prestigitation that will clean up your poop. Mm. That's wide low magic. So the things that you have, the common amenities that you have now, when you turn on the tap, instead of plumbing delivering your water, it's a some kind of an, a shape water mm. device that. Move the water instead to bring all of the elements in from one setting to another. That is a lot of work. That is a lot of dedication. And yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I would rather just get involved on the story than putting in an extra, extra effort because you do all of that work. And then what, it's not like something you can sell or it's just doing a story. So do I continue on or just choose another one? Hard to say. Well, you got to wake in a week here, at the end of the day, it's just a wrap-up, as far as I'm concerned. And so that's just, what are you guys going to do? So what happened? So let's roll into that. So the end of the previous session, you guys had entered into the Growling Sanctuary. You had moved through, and you'd gotten to the chamber where that was full of blood and gore and whatnot. And originally, you guys had sicked up, and when you got there, and you told Achmedes about it, You brought Ekmanis in and at this point you guys managed to lure out the creature that was in the river. And you know the funny thing is too is you tried clucking like a chicken and that failed and then you stuck your knife hand in there and managed to dig it out and I think you got knocked unconscious and whatnot. But A couple of times. When I was preparing this session for last week, I was adding notes into the existing notes for that area and I popped up the note related to where that creature was hidden and it said, this creature should remain in the river and it will always just sit there and take pot shots and then it'll hide. Yeah. It'll come out, it'll shoot, and it'll hide. Yeah. It won't come out of the river. And I was just like, okay, should have read that because <laughs> I had it come right out of the river. Yeah. Uh,
1: well, anyway. I mean, if that was the case, we would have turned around and gone home.
0: Well, I mean, the thing is, is it comes down to tactics, right? Look, we had that discussion before about when you guys met the Tuscali at the pool of blood and the one that was flying and it was shooting you guys from really, really far away. And what was the smart tactic for it? It was shooting at, I was rolling the dice. It shot at you and then roll the dice. Nope. Now it's going to shoot at them roll the dice. It's going to shoot at them. And I was saying that it probably should have just shot shot at one person. And then you said, well, no, the better tactic is if it can shoot from 320 feet, you keep it at 320 feet. So when we're trying to come up, it's trying to get further away. So that Mm -hmm. keeps the distance. Hmm. So tactics, what would be the tactic? And I was sitting there and to be honest, I was like, what would you guys need to do to get this thing to come up out of the river? And baiting it, of course, is, is the answer. But what is a good bait? So I don't know. If I would have read that, what would you guys have done in order to draw it out or or to take it out in its own domain? I don't know. But it's tactics. That's well, what it is. If it sticks its head up, you've got to shoot it when it sticks its head up. Well, ready actions
1: are very, yeah. very important. You just important. use a ready action on yeah. it. Absolutely. I, mean, that, I think in that scenario,
0: though, would it have worked? Well, see, here's the thing you can do, too. Like, You can always say things like, so it's my turn, and you're going to say, look, I want to do a holding ready action where... What I'm going to do is when, when Calidus goes and sh- fires off this firebolt, I'm going to then take my action. So if that firebolt causes something to come up, then I, I want to take my action at that point. So you could b- basically say, I'm going to wait until someone else's turn, and then I'm going to take my action mm. at that point. So you don't get your bonus action and whatnot at that, but you just, you just get that one attack action. But having, having taken
1: the attack... Do you get to ready another attack? No, that's the thing. You only
0: get to, so that means you only get to strike every second time. No, 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 no. Because every time, so when it comes to your turn order again, now it's your turn again. You're like again, at my turn. I'm going to hold my attack action again. I'm going to go on either a. I'm going to wait until if if it you know, we randomize the the yes. order. go. Yep. yep. Yeah. So Sorry. each time you're just I'm going to wait until it's someone so and so's turn. Yeah. Or or you say if its head pops up, I'm gonna shoot. So Mm -hmm. I'm gonna ready and action again. If its head pops up, that's when I'm gonna shoot. So you can just say, This is gonna be my trigger, or you can say, I'm gonna hold and I'm gonna go on X this person's turn instead. They're gonna do this and then I'm gonna follow up after them. So you can say things like that in order to as part of your tactics and planning, Mm -hmm. and that's fine. But that's the thing, is that at the end of the day, what do you do? So I read that Oh well, you killed it. And I tried very hard with this particular session to make getting into the last room i tried to paint a picture as best as i could to get into that last room so i wanted it to be we glossed over the fact of you guys moving through the river to get into the room where you did that last fight and then this time moving through the river i wanted to make sure that i painted certain things i wanted to make sure that it was clear that when you guys entered the river you weren't just going straight across, but you were also going down. Mm. And I wanted to make it clear that when you, I hope I described it well enough so that when you guys painted a mental picture of what it was you guys were doing when you were coming into that room, when you entered in, that it was You came into, like the floor slowly rose up and then it rose up into the sand and then your heads would breach the sand and and you would just basically slowly start coming up out of the sand.
1: Like walking out of a river, yeah.
0: Yeah, so I wanted to make sure that that was important because as soon as all of you guys were there and you seen all of the silt in the air, then there was that voice. And I planned out that voice. I was so was so happy to use that voice. You don't remember. Well, I remember here. it all and I'm thinking, yeah. Was it clear what
1: it, the words that you guys heard? No, well, yes and no. If I concentrated really hard to, to make out what it was to make out what it was saying, so but there were still a few. Yeah. there was two or three words, just towards the end that I missed. Yeah. It was one of those borderline things. It was just a little just a touch too heavy. so I understand what you were doing, Yeah, what it had to sound like. It was probably just a touch too over the top.
0: I was trying to make it, was of course, deep, Ominous. Ominous. Yeah. So very breathy, very ominous. I had the reverb on and everything like you this. You are going to die,
1: I think, basically, was the concept that came across.
0: Well, I mean, ultimately, it was, of course, it was to bring in foreboding and whatnot. And, of course, I introduced, introduced one of the sisters was still there there was meant to be two sisters left there was a BBEG in the last room but there was also a sister and she referred to him as brother so you guys slowly started coming into the room and hang on if there was a sister left why did she not follow the calling cat perhaps she did because she wasn't there Ah, okay so one of the things that i i tried to bring across in describing and i i don't know if you guys caught it between this past session and the other session, was that the very first time that you guys came in there, there was something called the cat cradle. The cat cradle was the device that all the calling cats were connected to. The cradle was what, if you carried the cradle, that was like your 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 GPS detector type thing mm-hmm. that okay. told you where each of the calling cat necklaces were. So I tried to make it evident that It wasn't there anymore. Missed that one completely. Mm. That's the thing, eh? Like, the last time you guys were there was six months ago. And this is... But we didn't get into that room six months ago. No, 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 no. But that Colin Cat cradle was actually... It was inside the, the room where all the mummies were. It wasn't there anymore. Okay. And this is one of those things where... How much do people remember after such a long time? And what should you do in order did we even know what it was i mean to me it doesn't
1: the the whole thing of yeah you guys should have known it because we talked about it before
0: yeah because it's in my notes i may not have been there i i don't don't know i only started recently taking attendance so that (laughs) so that i could know (laughs) that like i've only been taking attendance for like the last two months just so that specific for the main reason was because we had that discussion a long time ago about if people are missing, then should they put in the penalty, they don't get a level up until they've put in an equivalent amount of time. So, I mean, Elbrom and Elbram reached level six, and you and Oraki reached level six the following session. Yeah. So I started taking attendance to do that, but yeah, it comes in handy for other things like, oh, yeah, you wouldn't know that because you weren't there. But, yeah, so the Colin Cradle, in fact, probably that's right. You weren't there because when you guys first went into that chamber... Elbram was playing you and using your witch bolt against one of the two clockwork mummies that was inside that that room. Okay, that makes sense, yeah. So yeah, that's where the Calling Cat Cradle was originally, and that was the device that had the nine Calling Cat necklaces tied to it and was used to find the Calling Cat necklaces. So I tried to say but not say that it was no longer there. And this is the thing I was debating on, is how do you say that without blatantly saying that? Do you rely on your player's memory? And this is the case. It's always a difficult thing to know. Do they remember or not? What should you do? What should you say to remind them of this thing that was there that's no longer there? You notice that the calling cat cradle is... (laughs) Yeah, you notice that the (laughs) calling... That's probably exactly it. You remember the calling cat cradle (laughs) that you've seen there. there? It's no longer there. Oh, oh, two plus two, yes, four. So yes, anyways, the other sister is gone. The calling cat cradle is not there. Those two should imply that she's, she's chasing after one or something. She's definitely not there. So she's definitely not there. The cradle's not there. So clearly she's, she knows that the calling cats are somewhere, going somewhere. So she wasn't there, but the other sister was there. The one that was starting to get fleshed out, and why was she starting to get fleshed out? Well, there was a reason. And her brother, who was basically a sandstorm. I have to admit, I, I actually enjoyed how that went. Although it was close, because only you and Elbrum were standing in the end, barely. And, and, and here, here's the thing. I had such plans to go in that battle. And it so am- amazes me so often that when players will do something that's so unexpected and it just completely thwarts everything. That you were hiding in the sand wasn't really a place to hide because you were sitting in the sand with just your head above there and every once in a while you stick your hand out and blast away because in the sand mm. and stuff like this. But he controlled sand and it was just a matter of time after dealing with these other people that he was going to go after you. But then Elbrum comes up and says, I am going to do a performance. Yeah. What when the hell? did it, that... No one saw that coming. No, no one saw that coming. And it worked so well. Like he... A masterful action. Well, here's the thing. And I... Because of what he did the previous session, he wanted to... He brought the rooster because he was going to use his connection as a ley line initiate to try to figure out its soul, to see its connection to its soul. Because he is just i got to remove this leaf. I've got to remove this dang leaf. That's bonded with his soul. So he wants to understand soul. So he got the chicken because he wanted them to, for the first time since he's received the lay initiate ability, to use it. So in the beginning of this session, I had Silhouette first scold Oraki for making sure that she kept Elbram healed. Mm. And then she showed Elbram how to grab the lay lines and to weave it with his magic. Mm. So I did that at the beginning of the episode, and I'm sitting there, and very clearly he'd been thinking about it, because I had no idea. I had no concept. I was just really about, okay, you wanted to sense your souls, and you tried there to use the ley line, and you just didn't know how to do it. Your pixie familiar is now showing you how to do it. So that was my intention there. And then there's, there's problems, because ley lines are chaotic. They, they can be chaotic, or they can be called locked. Locked means someone else has used that ley line and altered its chaotic purpose to be something very specific, which is very, very rare to find a locked ley line. More often than not, you find an unlocked one and the results are roll of dice. And so in the end, he decided that with this creature, he's going to go in there and say, here I am, attack me, attack me. And he's, he's like, is there any way that we can have it so that he just hits and and that's that and i'm just like I'm, he, uh all right he's gonna hit you <laughs> i mean he's still got a roll because there's still a chance that he flubbed because oraki was laying on the ground at one point unconscious and he came up the freaking smasher and he gets two attacks to smash missed both he missed both and mm. he had an advantage mm. and so every one of his rolls was less than five so four rolls less than five anyway Point was, it's absolutely possible that even though you're sitting there, hey, come on, smack me, he still might miss. So Elber was like, yeah, come on, come on, come on, Coke's performed. I'm going to do a performance, and I'm going to use a hero point. <laughs> I want this to work. Okay. So he comes after. And, and at the end of the day, he had, I think he had Ekmenis at that time, in, inside of his yeah, shroud. He, he let go. Because he had Oraki. He dropped Oraki because he dragged her, Oraki across the room. He dropped her, and then he dra- then he
1: stepped back. He moved to the back of the room. Yeah, yeah. And they did that before he actually came forward. Yeah, and they, yeah. I
0: think he had menace though. He at, did. At one yeah, point. no, that's right. He had menace at the back, and, and then, then he, he dropped Akmenis to and go and forward deal to get, with this oh, guy wow. who was just because mo- I I sat there, I looked at his intelligence, and I had roll your performance, and I rolled his intelligence check to see. I mean, is he going to be influenced? Is getting sucked into this he one he totally got sucked into this and i was like well there goes all my tactics all right let's see what happens here so he did this hellish he rebuke and he can i use my ley line magic because i want to see you do this he rolled on the ley line magic so he did everything right he weaved it together he rolled on it and it said that the this will not be at this cannot this role cannot be at disadvantage so basically it was supposed to have been a disadvantage now it was not a disadvantage and it was an absolute hit so ultimately then he got to deal 4d10 what was it i forget which magic damage it was but yeah it so worked
1: yeah he, and, t- uh, he took something like didn't he he took 20 20 something and dealt 40
0: it was crazy yeah well that and the fact that you i'm going to do your last level three spell slot and you decided to do a witch bolt and i was just like if this works that's going to be a big problem for me and of course it worked and because now all of a sudden you're rolling what was it 3d 12 or something yeah so and that was huge but at the same time you had that witch bolt connected he grabbed up oraki so she took half that damage
1: even if we were all totally disengaged i still think we were lucky to win the odds were definitely not in our favor no
0: they weren't in your favor and that, but I like that you guys were like, let's not split our focus. Let's take the chick out first, mm. and then let's deal with the other guy yeah, after. And that, that was a smart move. And the frightened thing that I tried at the very beginning, I really hoped that it worked better, because I, I was hoping that it all took of you... It that took it. It two, took of, two of you guys for one freaking turn, yeah. and then you both rolled your saving throw after, and I was like, "Ah, oh, well, crap. Mm-hmm. So... My intent was, my original thinking was, get them frightened, get them to go back in a river. I'm trying to play this NPC. Mm. What would be his tactics in order to get you, and A, frighten you, and then pick you off? I tried to go down that road, and well, at the end... We got lucky. Well, I don't know. I think you guys did really, really well. Akmenis and Oraki were unconscious. They weren't dead, but I think ultimately he, he was in a position where he had to... He couldn't just take an extra turn to kill one of you outright. He needed to deal with and get at least a couple of you guys out for the count in order to have time to come back and then kill you. When I look back at it, when Elbrum started
1: out, I saw this as being the performance thing was about getting him to release the others, and I thought that was a pretty smart move. Yeah, well, because it was. Because that it means was. that they're not dead. Yeah. So if he can get them to let him go, he's part of the way there. The
0: fact is even with a kamenis hit him once with his level 2 divine smite and it was just a ton of damage yeah, that was good but no because it was only partial i try to always make sure and say things like you thought that would have been a, a much better stroke than what it was yes. so the reality was the people who who actually did the most damage in this particular fight was calidus your yeah. i think you hit him four times with 3d12 yeah. and that that was huge two of the times he had someone engulfed and so they took half that damage yeah. but yeah you guys it was it was a big thing mm. and i thought too that with the sister it would well here's the thing i thought i had oraki for all intents and purposes when he came up to deal that death stroke to oraki that should have been it that he missed four times boggles my mind and there's no the cat had cats luck the the cat mummy had cats luck so she could three times per day change a role that was negative and i mean like the lucky yeah. condition you can use it to be lucky to change a role yeah that was my intention but when you guys were on her like a bat out of hell she only really had one she got two shots so we, off before you guys yeah. killed her and they had a lot of hit points each of them had a yeah, lot they of did. hit points that's
1: what that what's done me is that yeah they had huge hit points and yeah were. so and we still won they, i and this is why I asked the question about what happens next, because if it's going to be wrapped up on Thursday, we still have to get out of here. So yep. whether we play the getting out stage, and given the time constraint of next Thursday, you know, you've got four hours, do you just say, well, you all end up back at Karima's place and she's got the eye and we give her the idol and then we just play that bit. Yep. And, or whether we just go, or whether you just say, no, I'm just going to tell you what happens. You know, she gets the eye. She gets the idol. She puts them together. This yeah. happens. This happens. Yeah. This happened. Happens, yep. That kind of thing. Yep. It would be a, a shame to die getting out. Well, right now you, on the way out here. Yeah, right now you're sitting at. How do we get out of here? Well, because you you kept it alive the, the last the one that was in the sand. No, did, no, did, no. Did you, okay, so I thought you said that one. You guys noticed through, through,
0: through, I had you guys doing some Arcana and stuff like that at the death of that one. Yeah. Because this is one of those things, like you're in a battle you're, and both you and Oraki have high passive perceptions and whatnot. So what do you notice in, in battles? Like for example, when Oraki got a lot of insight into the mummy's punch and the mummy's gaze, what did those things mean? So when this one died, it was the same thing. What did you guys notice? And I had you guys roll our catachucks. The point was that one only dies for a few days. And mm-hmm. then its body will just push. And it will slowly oh, come back together again. Come back together. Okay. So, And the reality is, is eventually you would need to find its remains. Mm. And destroy its remains in order to kill it forever.
1: So if it's disassembled itself, then you've got this whole... We go back the way we came, blah 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 blah. It takes time. Yeah, but that that one only. And and that that that? particular one, there's nothing to worry about. That one doesn't come back. And the other thing is, is it worth actually playing
0: out the getting back, Mm. or do we just jump to? Well, this is the skill challenge type thing. But yeah, I've got plans. But anyways, yes, that's the whole thing. How wrapping it up, and where do I bring in interactive narrative into it and make it? Yeah, or just make it narrative. But at the same point, is like there's still. So you guys get back, the whole Grimalkin I business gets wrapped up, but you guys still have your choice, which is, well, what do you want to do next? And then where do I take it? And that's the part where there's nothing I can really do because it's just too many places you guys could go. So realistically, from my point of view, in terms of last session, what I can concretely wrap up is the whole Grimalkin business and what that might mean for the players involved but after that, and where you guys want to go after that, did you want to go to I where the actually, drill stone were? Did you want yeah, to go out? Well, we've only got, like, Yeah, that, it's that's, going
1: to be one session, so we can't actually go no, anywhere.
0: No, you're not. And that's just it. At the end of the day. I actually,
1: I, my, my thoughts, my two bobs worth is that we know that you've ad-libbed and modified a vast amount of stuff. And yep. there's a huge amount of loose ends that you created mm. that were not, Daryl, the box, the dead captain, and the list goes on and on. Yes. And if I go back through my spreadsheet of them, I think there's about 60 items, of which probably 10 were, came out of the module. So from my mind, I'm looking for the 50 things you created. Do you want to know what to happened to the box? 50. Yeah, I want to know what happened to the box. I want to know what happened to Daryl. I want to know do what you, happened you, to the you, captain. I want to know what happened to I, Mehmet.
0: I, I'm, going to see, I'm going to test your memory a little bit. Do you... Remember some of the things that I said people noticed about your guys' apartments and at the refugee tent? No, I don't remember remember anything you said about it. Do you remember that one episode where with Saber and Saber was up doing maintenance and then there was a scream and you were still sleeping and Silhouette murdered some other pixies? Murdered the pixie, yeah. There's pixies. I said a couple of times, there's pixies that are monitoring your guys' apartments. Oh, okay. Inside your box, so your Captain Deuteronomy came from the southern fringe. In the southern fringe is a special place made of this blue substance. It's a a floating, I don't even know what you would call it, a device. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, from my point of view, in terms of what we know and from the campaign settings, Not much. For me, it's a prison. (laughs) (laughs) And inside your box was a piece of it. Yeah. The pixies were inside your guys' apartment. They found your box. They found what was inside your box. They took it. There you go. The pixies have your box because they know what that substance is. They know that it belongs to a prison. And inside that prison... Now, (laughs) when Elberm says (laughs) this, he's going to be pissed off and whatnot. But inside that prison... Is Elbram's patron, the creature and that gives Elbram his powers. And none
1: of that, all of that you created. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's a, yeah. Well, that's a great tieback, isn't it? Because, well, what this is, to, a, yeah, as a whole, there's a whole let's go and free Elbram's patron from well, the prison thing, isn't it? And there?
0: should you? Because who put him in that prison and why is he in that prison? So th- the thing is, is this would be lots of connections into Elbram's backstory, into whole, and it ties yeah. into your backstory because there's a tie into both. And why the hell... You know, you're going to, to say
1: this again next Tuesday because this, this podcast we're doing, they're not going to hear for... No, they're not going to
0: hear for a while. For, for weeks. So and, and, and you and should save is, all this until... And the thing is, too, is
1: at the end of the day... Maybe we should go... Actually, what we should do is you should reel off now so that when people listen to this in the future, just how much stuff you created... Hmm. such as the box and the Daryl and all the rest of it. Yeah. How much of that is a plot thread that you've done well, that didn't come out of the mod- like module? Vril- Vril Stone.
0: So in the Midgard yeah. campaign setting, what they did was instead of them talking about Atlantis, because they can't, they talk about an ancient civilization that existed before and they manipulated magic in a different way. They didn't have the magic that exists now where you have sorcerers, wizards, and warlocks. So the Vril Stone that we found belongs to this ancient civilization. You just created that no, like, no, no, right no. at the start. The that vri- was, or, that was already Stone. in the, no, in no, the no, module? No, no, no. it doesn't exist in any module. That you found yeah, it was so just... You just I read I mean. about Vril Stone. I was like, yeah, okay, cool, Vril Stone. it's a real Stone. What does it do? So Down on day one, you,
1: you invented it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I read about it, and what did it do? The fact is, what does it do? I still don't rightly know, other than it acts as a battery in some of these this ancient civilization's oh magical devices. So that's one
1: of the threads, the real Stone and where it goes and how it exists. That's one that you've yeah. created. Yeah. You invented the Darrels? Did you invent the Darrels? Were they...
0: Yes, your Daryl, he's a slave. He's always been a slave. He's gone to the slave pits. So he, he's an invention of yours as well? Daryl was an... Well, the, the kobolds that existed with hakan they existed there, but who they were, whatever, that... that so you just elaborated on one of them? Elaborated him. on it, yep. Yeah? And so The,
1: the blood lake.
0: The Blood Lake is, is part of a module, but again, elaborate beyond that to tie it into stories. Yeah. So for example, Kame. that it affects Kaim's an invention. Yeah. Kaim was basically going to be a thread that would tie you into the High Priestess Nefrini. Mehmet? Mehmet is a total invention, yeah.
1: yeah. And the, what about the, all the griffins flying off into the sunset? To yeah, that's, that's invention. Invention I as mean, well? That is... You guys, it's probably easy to go. Okay, maybe we should go with what is there actually was in the module because there seems to me that there's far more invention.
0: Yeah, well, the the module is then there is actually the the module has the Grimalkan Eye. There's a module about the Grimalkan Eye, and inside that, there's Mistress Henna who has started you guys out. Yeah, there is Festering Heth, but that he was assassinated. That was just mine. And the guys were right. He was assassinated by the Crimson Paw because he was yeah. fencing, and they eventually just got pissed off with him fencing outside of their organization. So they killed him So off. they killed him off. And it just was coincidence that you guys arrived when the assassin was just leaving. Was the Crimson Paw a large part of the module? or was that No, 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 not at all. Just a one-line mention uh, thing, yeah? Yeah, well, Crimson Paw... So,
1: what oh, about Where the... is it mentioned?
0: Is it mentioned in a campaign setting? It might have been mentioned in the... What about no, her? no, no. Crimson Paw is mine. I created Crimson created, Paw. So you invented that? Because there needed to be a thieves' guild. A heat? Is she an invention? or? is invention. she? Invention. Invention, yeah. Because you guys can't be... We're still be, trying to find X. <laughs> you, you can't be dealing with... High, so High Priestess Nefreni comes from the campaign setting. Lady yeah. Alasha comes from the campaign setting. The four people on the council come from the campaign setting. None of which are people that we've actually got to come in contact with yet because we're no. too lowly. So no, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. within that campaign setting, we haven't even touched on that. Yeah, yeah. So the Vrilstone. Stone, what I was... So I tried to elaborate that there's two places to go with the Vrilstone. Stone. So there's Mardis Vulagai, which I really wanted you guys to go to because that's where the Black Sultan was hiding out. And the Black Sultan was related to, once upon a time, there was your guys' the barbarian who was one of the original members who lasted for three sessions. So Black Sultan was also an invention? Black Sultan was an invention, yeah. Yeah. In the Dominion of the Windlords, which is the place that's north of Dabu, those are some of the ancient beings that were the original gods of the Southlands before the, the new gods came in and started basically tossing them about. And that area is where the Jinborn are mostly located. And secretly there they mine or they know about the Vrilstone. stone. But again, the Vril Stone and what it does, like that it augmented your ability, that you bonded with it. Now, I just changed up mm. how what the attunement meant with it because it was yeah. very, very different. But you've invented that anyway. What about the yeah. GFA? So the, G, the GFA existed... Module
1: or are they invention?
0: Yeah, they existed in the tomb of... There was a module where the GFA, they were inside Anuasir. So they, they were there. And then it was up to you what you decided to do with them. And I decided that Hazi was going to be a bad guy. (laughs) Hazi's an invention. No, Hazi was there. Hazi and Lugo were there. But who were Hazi and Lugo? There was nothing. In the module, it was Hazi and Lugo are the two people that are in the GFA. They mentioned three characters with the GFA. Hazi was the guy who was running it. And that's all it said. Lugo, who was his subordinate. That's all it said. And then there was the the gypsy girl who was selling basically a a store within the GFA encampment. So the woman that was the head of the GFA? I invented that. You invented that as well? Yeah, that it it comes from Lignus. I invented that. God. Srodus, the woman who is the Mm -hmm. head of the GFA. So Sero, who was the barrister for her and representative in Per Bastet, he knew who she was, but he really didn't know who she was. Because she... Although, from his point of view, she was a lizard folk, she wasn't actually a lizard folk. But again, another invention. Yep.
1: What about the crematorium?
0: Ah, uh, the mortuary. The mortuary. Yeah. Invention you know that, or real? That that was from the module. It came out of the yeah. module. Yeah. Well, at least there was something we did that came out of the module. Yeah, pretty much everything in there was in the module on that one, for sure. The growling sanctuary itself, of course, that was from the module. The thing is, is who were the sisters? And so, for me, this is where I took the sisters that were in, uh, sisters were in this module called, so there's three modules. There was the Grimalkan Eye, there was the Cobol Pyramid oh, Module. Yeah, we haven't even, didn't even touch on that, did we, really? And then there was the Grimalkan Idol Module. So there was those ones. And what I did was I used threads of those to tie into a bigger, a bigger story. How much of the Cobol one did we get through? Or did we just touch on it? Well, in, 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 in terms originally, of what like Cobol's out there, Originally, in that module, you would have found Cobal in the Intersectum, like you did in very the very first Oh, the very show. first game, yeah. But then I had it so that in the first game, that at the very end, when things just went pfft, he showed up again, and he'd entered into this thing, because all of a sudden you realize that the, these people were working with Cobal. Yep. They were all Cobalists. Yep. And in this case, Cobal wasn't there. Okay. And to me, I had Cobal. Cobal was... So there was another person that you guys just started to hear hints about, which was Nefertiri. Yes. and Nefertiri. I got the impression
1: that was an invention.
0: Yeah, Nefertiri well, was an because invention. Because the naming issue,
1: where you named him and then I think everyone named him something different.
0: No, well, Nefertiri, Nefertiri was a name that I had planned for a while. Yep. And I used Cobal because I didn't want to use the module name because I didn't want people to go and look stuff up in the module. Mm. The module is called Tomb of Tiberes," and I changed it to be Cobal. Yep. And Cobal basically is, well, in Mexico, Cobal is an ancient Mayan city yep. that I've been to and thought was really cool. So that Tomb of Cobal, sure, works because there is basically a tomb of Cobal. <laughs> and Nefertiri was basically going to be, so what was Cobal out and doing? Because he hadn't been in there for quite a few centuries. People of the interwebs, are you thinking, Damn it, man, is this an abrupt end of the episode? Yep, you are right. Indeed, this episode is definitely not finished and has been sundered, split in twain, but there's a light. Return in just one week. Our discussion will be concluded. Until then, bye-bye.